be able to get the get the, the classes on uh, on your favorite podcast carrier. And today's portion is one of those sections that, for some people, might be quote unquote, God forbid to even say it. Um, not as dramatic, I'll say it that way, not as dramatic as some of the other portions of the Torah. It's more about how the Jews traveled from one place to another. <clears throat> and for some people, this might be what I've called the flyover verses, you know, waiting for those meaty, dramatic moments. And if you look at it, we're talking about the formation of the Jewish people in the desert and how they traveled. And if you just look at it as a historic picture, as a story, um, from, you know, ancient times, you know, it, it might be something for the National Geographic. The ancient Israelites were formatted in a quadrilateral figuration, you know, but if we look at it that way, it really doesn't have much meaning to our lives today. The truth, though, is that everything that's told in the Torah, Torah means to teach. Like, how do you say a teacher in Hebrew, morah or moreh? Torah is to teach. And so if the Torah is telling us this story, every single word, every single letter, every single tag, every single crown on a letter is a lesson to us. Sometimes it's more obvious. Sometimes it's less obvious. But without taking away from the literal meaning of the words, we're not saying it's not meant to be understood literally. What we're saying is if the Torah is telling us this story, there is meaning for us, not just a lesson that we can derive from it. That's one level of learning, but actually recognizing that this is not the story only of the ancient Israelites, but is our story as well. And sometimes it's more obvious, sometimes less obvious. So with that introduction, let's start our parsha, the fifth portion of Balotcha. Verse 11. It was in the second year, in the second month, in the 20th day of the month. So what month is that? The second month of the year, if we start from the month of Pesach, will be ER. Nisan is the first month and ER is the second month. So this is the 20th of ER. As Rashi will tell us, it's 12 months minus 10 days from when the Jewish people encamped at, at Sinai, at Mount Sinai. So they were at Mount Sinai for 10 days shy of a year because they encamped there on Rosh Chodesh Sivan, the first day of the month, the third month of Sivan, just six days before Shavuot, and they were there for almost a full year, 10 days before that full year would have ended on the 20th of ER, they started to move. They got on the move. So they're there, they were there for a pretty long time. Now, something new is now going to happen. So that all of their travels up until that point, from when they left Egypt until they got to Sinai, did not include all of these configurations and formations that we've been learning about with the blowing of the trumpets and and ha and the and the um, you know how they would how they would travel all of the the, the Mishkan um, taking down the Mishkan who carried the Mishkan the Kihatites the Gershonites and so forth that all began with this travel from Mount Sinai on the twentieth of Iyar. Now, how would they know it was time to go? Nalehanan the cloud would rise up from upon the tabernacle of the Edut of the testimony of the the tablets which are called the the testimony. Verse 12, the Jewish people traveled lemasehem on their journeys. Well, that's not quite how Rashi understands the word lemasehem. Rashi says lemasehem means according to the regulations set down for the traveling of their banners, who should be first and who should be last. That's what lemasehem means. 
from the, the desert of Sinai, and they and the cloud settled in the desert of Paran. The desert of Paran. Um, this was 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 heading upwards. They were kind of all the way down there in the, in the Sinai, and now heading up towards Israel, um, which was uh, higher up towards mid mid in, in, and settled in Midbar Paran. Now. The, the following verses are going to backtrack and say, okay, yes, eventually they got to Paran. It took, it was, it took a day. It was a three-day journey, but only took a day, as we'll see. But before we get to that, the Torah is now going to backtrack and say, how did that travel? Um, how was that travel done? So verse 13 says, this was their first journey at God's bidding through Moses. And as I said before, the journeys before we got to Sinai, did not involve all of these commandments that we've been learning about in the last few days, in the last few weeks. So what happened? What would happen? The first banner, the first three tribes, which was the camp of Judah, and Judah was a leader, and then also had Yisachar and Zvulun, they would go first, and their leader was Nachshon ben Aminadav. 15, with them was Yisachar and their leader. 16, with them was a tribe of Zvulun and their leader. And verse 17 says, the tabernacle was dismantled. The Hebrews, Vihurad Hamishkan, was taken down. And the, the children of Gershon, the Levite family of Gershon, and the Levite family of Merari, the carriers of the Mishkan, the ones who would transport the Mishkan, they traveled. So let's look at Rashi. Vihurad the Mishkan, Rashi says, once the banner of Judah, the camp of Judah, started to travel, the first thing that happened, and it's not mentioned in the verse, Rashi gives us in between the lines, is that Aaron and his children, the Kohanim, they would take down the curtain that was in front of the Holy of Holies, and they would take that and cover the ark. So the Levites, the Kiatites, who were going to transport the ark, and certainly the Mararites and the Gershonites, who were transporting the rest of the tabernacle, they never actually saw the ark in this process because the Kohanim would come in and cover it up with the curtain as it says in the verse later on. And then once they did that, then the family of Gershon and the family of Merari, two families of Levites would come in and take down the Mishkan and load it up on the wagons as we learned about last week. And then the Ark and the Holy um, Articles that was carried by the family of Kehat, but those would remain covered and they would be placed on the, on the rod so they would be carried on the shoulders. And that would, they would start traveling after the second uh, encamp, the second banner would start going. So the tribe of Judah and the, the tabernacle in general carried by the two families of Gershon and Merari would go first. Then, the tribe of the tribe of Ruvain and their other two tribes would start going. So the second would go. And then the Kehatites, the Kehat family of Kehat would come and take the Ark and the other holy articles and start traveling. Why was it broken up in this way? Why was it that the tabernacle in general went first with the tribe of Judah and the Ark and the holy articles came later? Well, Rashi just tells it to us here now. But later we'll see that the reason for that is because this gave time for the family of Gershon and Merari to set up the tabernacle at the next encampment. And by the time 
the, the family of Kahat came with the, the Ark and the other holy articles, the tabernacle was already set up and they could move right in. Move in ready. That was the key. Whereas if they had gone along with Gershon and Merari, they would be waiting there with the Ark, waiting for, for it to be built. And this way, when they arrived, it was ready to go. Verse 18, and then... So Rashi has given us a, a, a heads up of what's coming in the next few verses. So the Degel Machnit Ruvain, the, the tribe of Ruvain, their banner would go, and their leader, and Shimon and their leader, and then God and their leader. Now, verse 21, the family of Kahat, the ones who carried the Mikdash. So Gershomari are, are referred to as, call, as carrying the Mishkan, which is the tabernacle. And the family of Kahat are called carrying the Mikdash. Mikdash means, as Rashi explains, things that are holy, the sacred equipment. And they, they had erected the tabernacle before they had arrived. Who is they? It sounds like the Kahatites, because that's the subject of the verse. But as we've learned many times, the pronouns are tricky. It has to mean the Gershon Amirari, as Rashi tells us, they would set up the Mishkan and it was ready to go when the Kihat came in. Verse 22, so now two encampments have already gone, as well as the Kahatites. Now the last two, the, the uh, tribe of Ephraim and their leader, Menashe and their leader, and Binyamin and their leader. And the final, the fourth encampment, right, because each of the 12 tribes were divided, three, 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 and three. The, th the fourth one was Dan. And the verse calls them me'asef l'chol ha'machanot. They were the ones who were the collector for all the other camps. Now, what does it mean they were the collector? I would have translated it as the gatherers. Me'asef means the gather l'chol ha'machanot for all the encampments. What does that mean? Rashi here cites different opinions from the Talmud Yerushalmi, from the Jerusalem Talmud. And what does he say? He says, because the tribe of Dan was, um, had many, they were, they were very numerous. And they, had, they, were, they, were, they were numerous. Now, it should be noted that Judah was the most numerous. However, because Judah is the king, he's the leader, therefore his tribe went first. But the most numerous after that was the tribe of Dan, and they went last. And so anybody who had lost an object Don was the ones who would find the lost objects because they were in the back. They would find the lost objects. And if you lost something, come to the tribe of Don. They're the ones who have it. Now, what does this have to do with the fact that they are numerous, that they are very numerous? That's a great question. Rashi now cites a disagreement. He says that this follows the opinion that says that they were, that the way they traveled was like a teva. Teva is a box. So I think that's a quadri quadrilateral configuration, right? They're walking in, 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 a, in sort of a box, um, the Yehuda on the east, and then all, all around the tabernacle in, in, in a box. They're not walking like a line. And the reason why that opinion accords with this idea that Dan is the one who is numerous and therefore is picking up all the lost objects because of their numerousness. They are, um, in other words, if you're walking like a box, how would the tribe of Dan necessarily be, be finding what the other tribes lost? They're not walking on the same path. 
But if they are numerous, that means that they are spreading out and they're not just on their side of the tabernacle. They, they are, they're all over the place and they're able to pick up the lost objects from the other tribes. So um, that's one opinion. Rashi and, and Rashi says we derive that from the fact that it says in Bamidbar, in, in the uh, Parsha Bamidbar, that they would travel in the same way that they encamped in this sort of box. However, there's another opinion that says that they were walking in a straight line, like a beam. So in that case, um, you don't have to say that, that, that it's because they were numerous and that's why they were finding things. It's just because they were all the way at the end and that's why they were able to find things. Um, with Dan was Asher and Naphtali and their leaders. These are the travels of the Jewish people, by their legions, and they traveled. Rashi says they traveled on that day, the 20th of Iyar. Now, here we have a very interesting story with Moshe's father in law, Jethro. Torah doesn't call him Jethro here, it calls him Chovav. But we know that it's him because it calls him Moses' father-in-law. And why has he also called these different names? We saw that in Rashi and Jethro. Rashi mentions it again here. But let's see what happens. What's this conversation with Moshe and his father-in-law? Always gets tense with the in-laws, but not in this case. Moshe, Moshe says to Chovav, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, the father-in-law of Moshe says, we are about to travel to the place that God said, I'm going to give it to you, meaning the land of Israel. And Moshe says to Israel, come with us and we will be good to you. Because God has spoken good of good fortune for Israel. Now we get the sense right away that Israel was not planning to come with the Jews, planning to go back to his place, to Midian. Now, first thing Rashi tells us, Chovav, who is he? He is, Yis he is Yisrael. And um, he says something here, Rashi, that Ru'el, their father, back in Jethro, when it says that the, the daughters of Jethro uh, went to their father, Ru'el, uh, over there in Jethro, Rashi says Ru'el is Yisro. But here he says, no, Ru'el is his grandfather, is their grandfather, and they refer to their grandfather as Ru'el. That's a little bit complicated with these, these uh, conflicting Rashis. But Rashi says he had many names, yes, Yisro or Yeser, which was from the word yaser means additional, that another parsha was added to the Torah because of him, that his whole advice about how to delegate. And Chovav, he was called Chovav because Shechi Bevet et Torah. He, he, he loved the Torah. That's how he got this name, Chovav. Now Rashi says something here very interesting. We are traveling to this place, says Rashi. This is before the whole decree of the 40 years. Rashi says that Moshe was telling Israel, we are going to Israel now. In three days, we're entering the land of Israel. That's the plan. From here to Israel is a three-day, we're going to be there in three days. And in fact, that was the original plan, that in this original uh, initial travel from Sinai, they were going to get there and, and go straight into the land of Israel. But as we know, history was very different. The Jewish people sinned with the misoninim. They started to, misoninim is translated to kvetch. They started to kvetch, and they said, we don't have meat, and then that delayed them for 30 days, and it was during that time that they said, hey, we should send some spies, and it goes downhill from there. 
Now Rashi says one more thing, and then we'll we'll stop here for questions. Rashi says Moshe uses the plural nosim anachnu. We are going, and he is including himself in that statement. Now we know that Moshe didn't end up going into the land of Israel. So why does he include himself in saying we are going? He's not going. Now you might ask, you're probably thinking, well, maybe Moshe didn't know that he was going to not end up going to the land of Israel. In fact, that's how Rashi concludes. He says the decree had not yet been placed upon him and he thought that he was going to enter. So what's Rashi's question? The, the, the commentators wonder, what is Rashi's question? The answer different answers that are proposed. One of them is that we see earlier that Moshe did have a hint that he wasn't going into the land of Israel. First of all, God told him when he was talking about Amalek, you shall tell Joshua. Now, why would he tell him, tell Joshua? So that was one hint. Also, Moshe himself, when he said to God, when God was trying to convince him to take the Jewish people out of Egypt, Moshe said to God, send with the one that you will send. In other words, and the, the, the uh, Midrash there says, Moshe was saying, I'm not going to end up bringing them into Israel anyway. So why don't you send them with somebody else? So in, in some ways, we have a sense that Moshe knew. And that leads to the question, why does he say we are going? And Rashi answers, the decree had not yet been placed on him. And he thought that through prayer, as we see, he prayed in Vayat Hanan, he prays to be able to go. In other words, there was a there was a sense, a prophetic sense that he had that he wasn't that he wasn't going to be allowed to go in. But he he felt that as long as the decree had not yet been sealed, God hadn't taken an oath and said, "No, you're not going in," and that's that's it. He felt that it was still retractable; it could still be changed. So we'll stop here and open it up to Q and A. I had I had a thought uh, coming from the first comments you made that there wasn't too much drama or um, uh, you know intensity uh, in this, um, but from a kind of an overview, I thought even though there's a lot of detail, uh, which looked like there's not so much meat in it, there's meaning in that too. But as an overview, almost literally, it's it's like um, God. I'm trying to my thoughts here um it's it's almost at a, a level of of even miracle i would say that god is presenting himself you know mostly god is hidden but in this case a cloud arises and guides the people all along the way i mean to for god to present himself not usually just to moses but now in the case of of uh, all the people i think is a miraculous kind of thing I know there's all the detail that happened and the right. setbacks and so forth, but at that level, I think there is a lot of drama. Absolutely. Very well said, Bill. Thank you very much for that. Yes, we're seeing the Jewish people, we're, we're literally seeing divine manifestation. Great. I can't see if you're raising your hand, so just jump in. So, um, one other thought here I had is there was no reason for Moshe to um, to be concerned about is he going into the land or not, even if he thought he perhaps wouldn't be. He'd had a history of being able to have, and I don't think argue is the right thing, but to make his case with God. 
and successfully, right? Saving the people once, right? After the golden calf. I mean, he has a history of being able to have his discussion in honorable, in an honorable, respectful way with, with God. So I think that's completely warranted for him to not be sure, although he understood it at that time, but it wasn't to that time yet. It wasn't for another number of years. Right. So anyway. Excellent. That's a great point. Um, you know, he did see one to even, it was not yet set in stone. And therefore, as you say, there was already a history, excellent point where God, um, God is willing to forgive, etc. Very good. Well, thank you, gentlemen. This has been wonderful. And I left you uh, with a cliffhanger. What happens? What does Jethro respond? What's going to happen next? You can read it today or we'll find out tomorrow. 835. Have a great thank day. You, Rabbi. Have thank a wonderful you. day. Thank you. Bye, everybody.